Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. I am your host, Caleb Gordon. I am so excited that you're with me on this journey today. As always, I want to say thank you to our friends at Outpost Coffee for, for providing us with incredible caffeinated beverages. Check these guys out at outpostcoffeeco.com. Well, on today's program, I want to talk about suffering. I want to talk about um, the devastating effect of sin in the world in which we live. And the scripture tells us over and over again that God's overwhelming goal for us is to reconcile us back to himself. Um, and eventually, he's going to redeem the entire earth, going to redeem the entire solar system back to himself. But right now, we live in a world that's fractured by the devastating effects of sin. And everything's been ripped apart by this thing called sin. When Adam and Eve made the choice to rebel against God's creative order and his mandate, it plunged the world into darkness and chaos. Relationships were splintered because of sin. Husbands and wives, moms, dads, um, all the relationships between human beings have been uh, really fractured. And as a result of that, um, there's chaos in the world. There's there's strife. There's all kinds of things. There's suffering. There's pain. There's hurt. There's all these things that take place. And I don't care who you are, without the direct intervention of the Holy Spirit, we're all guilty of this. Every one of us. And, and there's nothing that you and I can do to redeem this or make it better. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit stepping into our lives and redeeming and reconciling us back to the Father. So it, it's not a matter of if trials are coming into your life. It's a matter of when they're going to come. God has a structure in place to combat and, and for us to walk in these things called trials. Um, have you ever had a moment of distress that you felt like so deep inside of you, you felt like you couldn't go on? I mean, have you ever walked through moments uh, of a trial or a temptation that seemed so rough that it was like almost impossible that you could maybe barely even stand? Well, James addresses that in the text. Um, and I want to talk about that in James chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 2. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So when you think of the idea or the concept of joy, I can guarantee most of us that are listening to this show don't think of trials and hardships. We don't think of that as a joyful experience. In fact, rather, we experience that and we think to ourselves, this is insane. Um, that's not what I want even remotely. Uh, when we think of joy, we think of like a family vacation or, or, a, or a time of pure relaxation. When the idea of hardship comes, hardship comes into play, um, joy seems to be like the furthest thing that we could even begin to think of. But regardless, that's what James talks about in this text. This is how he talks. He says, nevertheless, consider it pure joy when you walk in trials of various kinds. You see, we've been handed this bag of lies that God wants you and I to be happy. 
Like that's the that's the problem in the world in which we live is is religion has told us the church in the world in, in 2019 has told us that God wants you to be happy. And if you're not happy, that's because you need to go find out, you know, what what it is that makes you happy because well, God wants you to be happy. And I'm going to tell you happiness is based upon circumstances. Happiness is based upon your circumstance. When you and I have great circumstances, absolutely we're going to have we're going to be happy. If we're in the middle of a theme park playing with our kids doing whatever, we're on a vacation, I guarantee you we're going to be excited that we are there and we're going to be happy. But the moment you and I get a phone call that says something like um, you've got cancer or your mom has died or something that's just huge and painful, I can tell you right now Happiness is not going to be in your vocabulary. It's going to be hardship. It's going to be pain. It's going to be hurt. Jesus isn't after your happiness. Jesus is after your joy because joy is not based upon your circumstances. Joy is based upon Jesus, the person of Jesus. There is a difference. We have so many marriages ending because they say things like, well, they just weren't making me happy. He didn't make me happy. She didn't make me happy. We have this horrible misconception that that's what marriage is all about. That marriage is, quote unquote, happily ever after. They lived happily ever after. I'm going to be honest. There's going to be moments where my wife and I have not lived in happiness. But we've made our bed on the idea of living our life with joy. Marriage was never created for our happiness even though there are, there are times of happiness and there are good things that make us happy in marriage, marriage was actually instituted by God for our holiness and for sanctification. You want to draw sin out, especially in a man, you want to draw sin out, get him married. Um, it's just going to reveal, marriage just reveals the sinfulness of mankind. That's all marriage does. It reveals how scarred and messed up we are and how dependent we are on the Savior. That's the point of marriage. And um, so when joy is present, we're not dependent upon the circumstances to cause us to, to maintain that joy. We rely on Jesus to bring us joy. So when your spouse annoys you, thank God for that. Because your spouse is helping mold you and shape you into the image of Jesus Christ. Now that's that's good news. And, and when trials come, as so often they do, we need to pray and ask God to just help us understand his plan. Help us understand. God wants us to pray. God wants us to spend time in prayer. And, and when that trial comes that's when we should be on our knees that's when we should be drawing close to him but so oftentimes what happens is we've got men and women who when when trials come when stress comes when whatever comes we turn to a substance we turn to a relationship we turn to something other than christ bottom line is this when that circumstance is causing you stress stop Pray and thank God that he's using the circumstance to mold you into the image of his son. That's the whole point of this thing called the gospel. Romans chapter 5 sort of kind of fleshes this out for us. It actually starts in verse 2. It says, 
Through him, this is the, so I can just, I want to read it in context. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not that, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Guys, this is a beautiful text. We have access to the Father because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Not only that, but we can rejoice in our suffering. We can walk through our suffering knowing that Jesus is more than enough. Knowing that Jesus has stepped into our story, and, that, and as a result of that, that suffering now is producing endurance in us. That we can continue this race. We can press on and press forward in the race. And we don't sit back and just coast, but we press forward with endurance and knowing that endurance is going to produce character and that character is going to produce hope. And here's the beautiful thing. The hope of Jesus Christ does not put us to shame. The hope of Christ is so beautiful, so glorious, so big, so powerful that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We have our tomorrows settled. We have our hope in Jesus Christ because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you and I. Everything's different. Everything has shifted. Everything has changed. And here's the thing. I get it. I get it. Um, the moment that, um, that trials come, it's difficult to say, okay, Lord, I, I, you know, I know that you're trying to work in me and do things incredibly here. And it's, it's tough to sit down and pray. I know that in the midst of trials, you want to flip out a little bit, maybe cry, maybe scream, maybe try to scheme and try to figure your way out of that trial. But I get it. It does not seem like it's going to be any solid answer. Like when somebody says, listen, all things work together, Romans chapter eight, all things work together for good for those who love Christ. Like I get it. When that happens, you're just sort of kind of like, oh my goodness, please not this. And I feel, and I, I feel you. I do. There's moments where that doesn't feel like a solid answer, but that's where you have to have faith. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that faith is what we hold to, is what we cling to. Um, that's, you want to please God? That's how we please the Father, is by faith. It's Hebrews chapter 11. And it says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Like that's the beautiful thing about this. And then he continues there in, in chapter 11, verse six, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, number one, and not only that he exists, but he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the question I've got for you and I this morning is, are we diligently seeking the Father? Are we looking for him? Are we looking for him in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the pain? Are we looking to Jesus Christ as the author and the perfecter of our faith, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12? Like that's, that's a genuine question we have to ask ourselves and then know that God's more than enough. And I, I love um, in Isaiah chapter 40, I want to sort of kind of, hone in on this idea in, in Hebrews, or I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 40, and starting in verse 28. Listen to this, because this is talking about when we're walking through suffering, when we're walking through trials, when we're walking through difficulties, 
The word of God is the thing that's going to hold us close. The thing that's going to hold us together is God's word. And I love this text. Listen, it's starting in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases their strength. Even youth fall shall faint and be weary young men will fall exhausted anybody that's listened to this ever felt just a massive amount of exhaustion exhausted from the insanity of the world around us i can tell you right now i have felt that type of exhaustion in my own life personally but this is where christ steps in and makes everything new look listen to this i'm going to keep going young men fall exhausted but they here's the crux of the entire text but they who wait for the Lord shall have their strength renewed and they shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But here's the idea of this entire text is that you and I, you and I must rely on Christ. And when we fall exhausted, those who wait for the Lord. Now I get it. God's timing is not always our timing. God's timing can sometimes feel so distant, so far from us. Because let's be honest, when do we want it done? We want it done yesterday, right? Or right this second, let's get it done. Well, I'm going to tell you, God is never late. God's timing is not our timing. God's ways are not our ways. And here's the thing. God is not up in heaven wringing his hands about your circumstance. He's not surprised or worried about the current state of the world. He's bringing all things back to himself. And you and I need to understand this, that God is bringing all things back to him. And there's going to come a day, and I get it, we've cried some big tears. And if you know me personally, in our story, in my life right now, we're crying some big tears over some big stuff. But I can tell you this, that God is bigger than this current circumstance. God's bigger than your current circumstance. And those who wait on the Lord shall have their strength renewed. This is why it is pivotal that you and I remain steadfast in God's word. That we read God's word, that we study it, that we just Pour over this word, knowing that God is bigger than all things that are out there. And as a result of that, we're going to be able to run and not grow weary. We're going to walk and not faint. Why? Because Christ is our strength. Because he's the one who renews us. We don't renew ourselves. We don't go to a spa. We don't go to a self-help guru and try to figure out how in the world we're going to be better at life or whatever it is. No. Here's what this looks like. You and I are going to walk in such a way that we stand before Christ knowing that he's the one who's the author. He's the one who's fixed us. He's the one who's redeemed us. And in John, it tells us that he is going to wipe away every tear. I don't know how, what Jedi mind trick he's going to do. I have no idea. And that even sounds sacrilegious for me to even say that. But so uh, just a little humor there. But I want us to think about this. Jesus somehow is going to wipe away every tear that you and I have cried. Everything that we've struggled with, every pain that we've felt, every hurt that we've had, every, you name it, the things that we go through on a daily basis, 
that are going to be painful and we just fall exhausted from life, Christ is going to redeem, reconcile, and set us straight. Praise the Lord for that. That is just, that's glorious. That's exciting to know that we serve a God that big, that we serve a God who loves us that much, that we serve a God who makes us his children. We're not just some sort of mindless servant that does his bidding. We're his children. We've been called to have a relationship with him. How incredible does that make our God? How amazing does that make our king? That he steps into our story and he cares. 2 Peter 5, 7-8 talks about casting your cares, casting your anxieties, casting your worries on him. Why? Because he cares for us. Like That's a beautiful, beautiful text. To know that God has stepped into your story, into, into and I apologize, it was 1 Peter, not 2 Peter. Um, 1 Peter 5 tells us this. I'll just read it in context so you guys can see this. Starting in uh, verse, um, well, verse 6, just so we have it in context. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. How beautiful is this? But see, here's the formula for this thing. Everybody's got a formula. Everybody's got an idea. Here's the formula. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, at just the right time, he might exalt you. Now that's, that'll preach. That'll get you, that, if that doesn't get you excited, as you're driving or you're listening to this on the podcast, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Because he, well, I can tell you the next thing will get you excited. Verse 7, casting all of your anxieties on him, all your cares, all your worries, all your frustrations, all your anger, you name it, cast that on Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. And as a result of that, keep going in verse 8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. As a result of being able to cast your cares on Christ, you're able to, to pay attention to what's going on around you. Because your enemy, the devil, is looking for a way to destroy you. And I want you guys to catch this. In the text it says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So here's the thing. How do you resist him? You've got to humble yourself and you have to be paying attention to what's going on around you. The stuff that's happening around you, you've got to be paying attention. You've got to know what's happening. And when that happens, when that takes place, that's when we can understand that we can resist the devil and he's going to flee from us. He will run from us. He has no ground to stand because when we're humbled under the power and the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ and we resist him in that faith and we stand firm in the faith that we have, knowing that Christ has handled everything, that we're fighting from victory, not for victory. Like the victory's already been won. Jesus has already done the work on the cross. Everything that was needed to be done has been done by the power of Jesus Christ and what he did and the work that he did on the cross. We don't have to fight for victory. We've already won. Well, let me preface that. Jesus has already won. Jesus has already done the work to um, redeem us back to himself. Like that's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus has already done the work. Everything's been done by Christ. So I need you to understand this. 
that the trials and the struggles and the hurts and the pains that you're walking through right now, I may not know about what's going on personally in your life, but I do know this, that Jesus, he is more than sufficient and he is overcome. And as a result of him overcoming this, we have the promise from God's word that he will take care of us because we are his children. We are his children. And, and here's the promise at the end of this in 1 Peter 5. After you have suffered a little while. Now, I don't know what a little while is. My definition, my definition of a little while and God's definition of a little while may be a little different. But I want you to see this. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. How beautiful is that? How glorious is that, that the God of the universe, the God of all grace, is not just going to restore you, but he's going to confirm you as his child. He's going to give you strength, and he's going to establish you into his kingdom. How glorious is that? How beautiful. We can stand in hope knowing that the God of the universe loves us that much. He cares for us that much. That's a beautiful beautiful thing. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the day. Thank you for the time that you've given us. God, I know that our days are numbered and I know the trials are present, God, but we know that you're here and you're above all things and you're the God that's full of all grace and you've called us into the eternal glory in Christ. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would even now, as people are listening to this, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish folks. By the power of your grace, by the power of your word, by the power of your shed blood, I pray that you would do this, that you would bring us back into wholeness, and that you would place us on a firm and solid foundation to know you and to be known by you. Father, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Northfield Radio Program. Um, if you want more information about what we're doing, check out www.calebgordon.com. You can get all the information, download podcasts there. But thanks so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this program. And I pray that it has encouraged you to walk through this week with strength, knowing that Jesus has already fought the good fight. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.